Welcome. You're listening to Uncommon Sense, and I'm Doug Morgan, and thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, We end up doing about three uh, of these podcasts a week, and if you enjoy listening to them as much as we enjoy doing them, uh, please hit the follow button uh, and or whatever button that allows you to see what the next one is that, that when it comes up uh, and and that that definitely helps our, our uh, podcast and uh, and and we here at uncommon sense we love to dig into the truth we love to see why we believe what we believe and we've been going over the last few podcasts uh, about our uh, racial issues in this country uh, we even looked at, um, what uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, or actually organization, stands for. And we uh, wanted to see if this was something that we could support as a Christian community. And obviously the, the organization itself is not something that a, a Christian can, uh, can support and still maintain biblical values. Uh, they um, obviously, if there is a racial problem in America then um, it isn't solved by the prescribed things that uh, the black leadership of Black Lives Matter, the organization, is espousing. Uh, Obviously, things uh, like looting is, uh, is okay, according to them, because that is reparations. And, and of course, reparations is something that needs to happen. And, and, and so, so just going through the things that the Black Lives Matter organization itself covers uh, is not something that, uh, that we can support. Uh, we also, um, there's, there's also a movement, Black Lives Matter. So when you say Black Lives Matter, uh, there's many that, that think of the organization itself, but I've heard a lot of people say that uh, I don't support the organization. I support the movement, and I support anti-racist policies. And let me say that, yes, as Christians, we need to support anti-racist policies. If those policies are based solely on the color of one's skin, then, then those are racial policies, and we need to look at it. And, and they can go both ways, obviously. Uh, it, like we've seen uh, in, in prior podcasts, we covered how, um, let's say, like Lowe's, for instance, will give free money to, or grants, to uh, black-owned businesses only, or governmental contracts that only go to black-owned businesses, and things like this. These are racial policies that are racist, and they need to be addressed, and they need to be confronted. And yes, if we see people uh, who, who are espousing racial, uh, racist type of things, then, then we need to confront those, yes. But, but is there really a racial problem in America? And, and I've heard many people say, well, yes, of course there's a racial problem in America because of racist policies of the past, blacks are disadvantaged today. Well, let's take a look at some statistics there then. Uh, in the U.S., uh, we have more class mobility than anywhere else in the world. What does that mean? That means that, that there are more people that end up in the top 30% of income at some point in their life. And if you have traveled the world in any way, shape, or form, you you probably have seen many societies and, and countries where people, uh, once they're born into a certain class and a certain in- income type level, they're pretty much set there, and they're they're going to be there for the rest of their life. There's no moving up or even down uh, in many cases. 
uh, you you are you are set there. But in our society, we don't believe that. In our society, we believe that if you work hard, you take some risk, or whatever the case may be, you work efficiently, you have good ideas, you promote those type of things, you you you, prov- you produce a product or a labor that that other people want. Well, you can move up and and even down sometimes, um, and 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 that's okay. That's that's acceptable. And and that is. That, that is something inherent within our society. And so just because there's been some racial you know, uh, policies of the past doesn't mean that today you can't do what it takes to move up in, in, in your lot in life. Uh, we, can, we see that demonstrated, uh, for instance, uh, as we covered a, a couple podcasts ago, uh, in the prison camps during World War II. And FDR set up uh, racist policies, actually taking Americans, Japanese Americans in this case, and taking away their land, taking away their possessions, and putting them into literal prison camps during World War II. Now, you would think that because of this, that the Asian American community would be just devastated, and devastated for centuries even uh, because of it. Uh, But no, if you look today, they have the highest income in the U.S. today as a racial group um, th- and and we're not that far away from World War II so it, so to say that that the the racial policies of, of redlining or, or whatever the case may be of the past uh, have, have devastated the black community and they have disadvantages today uh, don't really hold uh, much water uh, when it comes to looking at it statistically uh, the median ha- household income of black Americans is nearly sixty thousand dollars a year so, so I've heard, well, <clears throat> maybe that's not the case, but blacks live in, in poorly funded school systems. So these school systems are, are uh, holding uh, black students back and, and uh, they aren't getting the, the same education. I, I, just, I just saw a commercial not too long ago uh, for Amazon uh, where the, this teacher, uh, she, you know, she's saying that black students don't get the same education and so you know, they're working hard to, to help you know, uh, rectify that or something. Um, but when you take a look statistically again, uh, we see something a little bit different. Uh, some of the highest funded school districts in the country are in underprivileged areas. If you take a look at the school systems of uh, Detroit or Washington, D.C., you see that these are highly funded school systems, and yet these are some of the poorest areas in America. A student entering the uh, high school in Detroit, for instance, has a higher percentage of going to jail than graduating even with the significantly higher per capita funding. You see, in, in the Detroit uh, school system, they get over $15,000 a year per student. And yet, they still cannot educate those children. And they have a higher percentage rate of going to jail than graduating that's sad, but it doesn't mean that they're unfunded or underfunded. You see, it isn't a, uh, about being funded or at the level that they're funded at, because obviously that wouldn't happen and those statistics wouldn't be the case if that was truly a thing. So, so, so I've heard, well, what about police though? I mean, we have a racial problem in America, Doug, because uh, police are racist, and they target blacks, and they shoot blacks. I, I, I've seen a number of uh, people who 
black individuals who will say, you know, I, I am so afraid to go outside because I am so afraid that a police officer is just going to see me and shoot me dead. Well, again, let's take a look at statistics. <laughs> uh, 2019, so just last year, uh, blacks made up 13% of all Americans. Okay, so let's keep that number in mind. And I know, I understand, you know, this is going to be a little bit number heavy of a podcast, but, but you know, let, grab your pen and pencil and, and, and follow me here just a little bit, okay? Uh, blacks make up 13% of all Americans. Blacks also make up 53% of all homicides. 53% of all homicides amongst 13% of all Americans. You see, a, a young black man is 36 times more likely to commit homicide. 36 times more likely to commit homicide than anyone else. Blacks make up 60% of all robberies. This is, again, amongst a population of 13%. 60% of all robberies are committed by blacks in this country. You see, a, a police officer, for instance, is 18 and a half times more likely to be shot by a black man than for a black man to be shot by police. As a percentage, unarmed white men are more likely to be shot by police than unarmed black men. These are the statistics. I, I'm just, I'm rattling off statistics. And you may say, boy, you, you sound pretty racist, Doug. But I'm just simply giving you the facts and the statistics here. And you may have, you know, heard uh, certain things and, 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 uh, and a lot of fear being spouted out, out there about uh, all kinds of stuff. But these are the facts and these are the statistics. So let's look at those and let's see if what we believe is truly true. Is it truth? You see, I don't, I'm not so sure that there is a racial problem in America. That there is probably more of a moral problem within the black community and the leadership there than there is a racial problem in America. Thomas, Thomas Sowell said that personal choices have consequences. Uh, I, I saw a, uh, an interview, uh, and it was a, a gal by the name of Melissa Tate, and she was an immigrant, or is an immigrant, she's, she's still with us, uh, from Zimbabwe. And uh, she told Candace Owens in an interview that there was a difference uh, in, in the black community between the U.S. and other countries in the world. And I've, I've seen this with my own eyes as, as I've traveled to different parts of, uh, of this globe. Um, that there, there is a, uh, an education and educational success celebration elsewhere. So uh, people, pe- people almost have a competition. Kids have a, have a competition. There's a um, uh, society promotes this competition of, of trying to be educated and wanting to, to have knowledge and wisdom. And, and, and that is something to be desired and sought after. But yet in this country, it's discouraged by the black community. That oftentimes what she has seen, and this is this is these are her observations. Uh, what what she has seen is that in the black community here in the U.S., it, it, that if you are a straight A student or you're somebody who who does desire 
to, uh, to, to get more education and wisdom and knowledge, that that, that is very much discouraged that you, boy, you are not street smart and boy, you, you know, that, that, that is, that's terrible. This, it, it's, a, it's a 180 from what we see in other uh, areas of the world. And it's a troubling trend. You see, another statistic that I think is a little more pertinent, and that is that black families had a much lower divorce rate before welfare. I think that we can start to see how certain policies of the past, when it comes to maybe welfare and other things, have had a greater devastation on the black community than anything else. Uh, in, in Harlem, uh, in, in New York City in 1925, 85% of kin-related black uh, households had two parents. And then in 1965, uh, in a report that came out um, on the coming destruction of, of black families, uh, we saw that uh, out of wedlock birth rates had increased to 25% among black population. This figure continued to rise over time. And in 1991, 68% of black children were born outside of marriage. U.S. Census data from 2010 revealed that more than more African American families consisted of single mothers than married households with two parents. In 2011, just a year later, it was reported that 72% of black babies were born to unwed mothers. And just five years ago, as of 2015, that number are you sitting down, is 77.3%. Almost 80% of babies born in the black community are born to unwed mothers. If you don't think, and particularly we know as Christians, if you don't think that that has a devastating effect on that community, then you are wrong or you're sticking your head in the sand. You see, it, let's compare that to the uh, Asian community, who we just talked about a little bit earlier, has the highest income uh, level in America. And in 2018, 10% of Asian Americans were born to unwed mothers. So we have an 80% rate of unwed um, mothers um, having babies in the black community and they are having some issues when it comes to, to income. And then you have the Asian community who has a 10% rate of babies being born to unwed mothers. It, that may be of a greater factor than any kind of racist policy of the 1950s or something. You see, black. Uh, if you look at the black leadership in this country, what does it emphasize today? It, it, let's, let's even look at today. It, it, where are they going today? Well, as, as, we, as we looked in, in, a, in, in some prior podcasts, their stated goal is to dare, tear down the family structure. Is that not just the ap- absolute opposite of where they should be headed and what they should be supporting? They're against using logic. It, it's... It, they're against hard work. Um, Black Lives Matter promotes a lack of respect for authority, discourages d- 
delayed gratification, self-reliance, and independence on autonomy. It teaches that there is no value in property rights or ownership. That progress is not a desirable thing. That planning for the future is useless. And that politeness and decision-making abilities are not a good thing. This is what many of the black leadership are promoting. And it is, it is having a destructive factor on their community. The Brookings Institute, as we said before, um, had, had come out with a study. And in this study, only 2% of Americans lived under the poverty line if they did one, or if they did three things. Okay, so you you virtually guaranteed that you will not live in poverty if you do all three of these things. And that is, number one, graduate high school. Number two, don't get pregnant before you get married. And number three, get a job. If you do, if you do those three things, you are just about guaranteed, you have a 98% certainty that you will not live under the poverty line. And, and if, you, if you take a look at um, a case to be made that America is not racist, I think you can look at a couple different factors. Number one, if the U.S. was so racist, then, then why would there not be, you know, so, so many hoax, racial hoaxes? Like we see uh, uh, Jesse, Jesse Smollett and his uh, little stunt that he pulled. Um, it was broadcast everywhere. It was all over the news. Why would that even be a thing? Why would we be up in arms about that if we were a racist society? But no, when, when we see things that apparently, whether they be false or not, in this case it was, but when we see things that are uh, that, that, that look to be racist, we call those things out as a society and as a nation. And we also look at, at 2 million black Americans uh, moved to the U.S. in the last 20 years. 1 million blacks from the Caribbean. If that was the case, if we were such a, a racist society, why are the numbers so high of black individuals moving to this country? Would they not want to move out of this country if that was the case? You see, I think instead of following uh, Marxist leaders that have proven to do great damage to the black community, maybe, just maybe, in an effort to turn towards a personal relationship with Christ and adopt his values, that would be a greater idea, don't you think? Maybe instead of getting one's identity and segregating oneself out based on the color of your skin, maybe instead you just stop playing the victim card and make healthy life choices. The black community could, they, they could, if they did this, could stop this terrible spiral, in my opinion. And let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. I'm not saying that all blacks think and act this way. In fact, we're, we're really starting to see uh, some real leaders rise up and come against those that are in their community that sell race. I think, I think we as a society could support those that have the courage to come out against organizations like BLM and Black Lives Matter and help with real change. You see, there are those that aren't following the herd. There are those that have the courage and are not going to 
to give in to the fear that they're going to be called racist and be classified as a racist if they come against uh, such organizations like Black Lives Matter. And, and I think that, that we need to have the courage to step up to the plate when it comes to uh, seeing racial policies. What, however those racial policies play out, if we see a policy that is based solely on the color of one's skin, let's come against that policy and let's work toward that policy change. Because, yes, racism is, is he, there is racism in America. And there will always be racism until the day the Lord comes. It is something that we will deal with and we are going to deal with, but let's deal with it properly. And let's not go overboard and let's not be racist trying to be racist. Not trying not to be racist. If we are racist trying not to be racist, aren't we doing the exact thing that we say that we're fighting against. Two wrongs do not make a right. Our mothers all taught us that. (laughs) And we as Christians know, biblically, that we can come against any kind of racism that we see. That is biblical. It's a biblical thing to do. And we need to make sure that we aren't being racist, trying not to to be racist as Christians. And those are my thoughts today. If uh, you have different thoughts, <laughs> or if you have the same ones, uh, words of encouragement, or even words uh, that uh, would come against what uh, I'm uh, talking about here, uh, I, I support your right to do that, and I encourage you to comment. Uh, you can do that at 4uncommonsense at gmail.com. That's 4, F-O-R, uncommonsense at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.